does it sound? Like an untreated room. But it's okay. It doesn't sound bad. It's good. It's authentic. It's real. <laughs> I haven't done a live interview yet. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done them for the zine, but I haven't done them for, like, actually talking to a person for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a live, it's a live conversation. Yeah. It's happening. That's exciting. What's feeling only kind of okay for you today? We're not going to do introductions? We'll do introduction. We can do introductions. (laughs) You're not going to welcome me to the show? Am I going to do the whole like, what's a move kind of okay podcast? I don't know. Whatever you want. Okay. How do you want to be introduced? (laughs) That's really great. I don't know. Uh, I'd like to think we're friends. That's probably the first yeah. thing we're promoting. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> um. Hi, I'm Lucas. <laughs> I'm Sarah's friend <laughs> from across the way. Welcome to the Kinda Okay podcast, where we talk about things that aren't okay in hopes of making them feel more okay. I'm Sarah Crossley, creator of It's Kinda Okay Comics and the Grown Pain Zine. And I'm here today with Lucas McKinnon. Hi. I'm Lucas McKinnon. And um, I do a lot of different things. What are some of the things you do, Lucas? (laughs) Uh, Well, I run a recording studio. It's probably the main thing that I do. Um, But I create music and I help people create their music and I write poetry and I think and I garden I don't know I do all sorts of things those are some of the things I do Lucas runs Silverside Sound and he's slowly becoming a legend in Victoria BC for his sound engineering and being fabulous at helping people capture their own sounds and their own essence that sounds a lot better than what i said so i appreciate that (laughs) so it's really interesting because so you're the first person that i've interviewed live on the podcast and you're also the first dude that i've talked to on the podcast really i am a dude yes (laughs) so that's interesting because Something that's been really important to me in creating this safe space for talking about our emotions and things that are stigmatized and things that are difficult to talk about is that I don't want to make it isolated. As much as I want to give women and like non-binary folks a voice and a space to do that, I don't want it to ever become like a segregated section where, you know, like <coughs> dudes can't access. A- right. access. So that's interesting. And yeah, well, thank you. For having me that's it's important i think like um i think sometimes men feel that like um anything with a feminist bent uh, is they're either threatened by it or it's inherently exclusive um, because you know the type of feminism that makes the news or the headlines is is the, the more extreme kind that you know i think a lot of men perceive feminism as um something that isn't necessarily about gender equality or as you say non-binary but you know sometimes about women's supremacy or something like that i've 
So I think it's just important to be having these conversations in like every aspect of human existence because we're all human. Yeah, and we all have those, you know, masculine or feminine qualities in, in whichever way we can relate yeah. to it, right? And whether you have privilege or not, like you're still an emotional being. So that's true. That's right. the whole thing. That's a sharp inhale. I'm already, I'm already nervous. <laughs> so the most important part about this podcast in particular is that you need to have absolutely no like background in whatever the conversation like leads us to like you don't have to have any previous research or any previous knowledge it's all based on your in individual experience and so right. being honest and just having that vulnerability well i am quite well researched so we'll see how this goes <laughs> okay <laughs> no thank you yeah no i i will do my best to be uh honest in my own experience what's feeling only kind of okay for you today uh yeah <laughs> i feel like my well today is an interesting day for me because in a lot of ways i feel like i haven't felt anything recently and so today i actually woke up and fucking cried. I cried about some shit that I cared about and do care about. And I feel like the reason I haven't felt anything recently is because I didn't feel like it was okay to actually value the things that I value, you know? I, I And it's interesting because... I like to think of myself as someone who is sensitive and intuitive and can has a good relationship with their emotions. And yet, you know, I, I had a breakup like three or four months ago and I just didn't feel anything for three or four months. And, and then, um, like a series of events occurred and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna feel that now <sighs> yeah I mean that's not uncommon like a delayed reaction to something that was just too heavy at the time maybe yeah to yeah digest you yeah know? yeah so I, I think that like what's not or what's kind of okay it's kind of okay <laughs> is <laughs> is to you know admit that that um that I feel that loss. You're someone that I would say is very feeling based mm -hmm. and emotionally in tune. But do you see yourself that way? I'd like to think so, but at the same time, like I, I, I seem to go longer stretches without experiencing things. Like I had a conversation with my friend yesterday who like, really kind of helped me through some things and one of the things she kind of noticed was like she, you know I have such a high degree of awareness of like self-awareness like whenever we speak it I like very rarely encounter things that I don't know about myself it's mostly about reaching them at an emotional level like intellectually I can reflect on my experiences 
but it seems to take more time for me to actually feel them. So mm-hmm. I like to think that I'm emotionally aware, but at the same time, like it, it doesn't um, translate um, effortlessly or instantly. It seems to take time and then I reach a point and then I do this and then I feel the feeling that I know that I've been feeling, if that makes sense. Like I like I know that I'm upset about something and I know that I'm upset about something and then you know, usually actually music will, will trigger an emotion for me and it'll allow me to kind of put my guard down and, and just be like, Okay, <laughs> this is my feeling. I know I've been feeling this way, but I can actually experience the feeling, you know, and it's a, I think it's a physical thing as opposed to um, a mental image. So like, even if you've got that thought process going on, it seems like it might be a little disconnected in your like body heart feeling. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, like I don't, I, I wish it, it were, it would take less time. You know, like, I wish it wasn't as disconnected and, um, but for whatever reason it is, um, there's probably some reason for that. Maybe it's a good reason. I don't know. Maybe it's important that I, you know, maybe because I feel deeply, it needs to take time. I don't know, but. Maybe it gives you the space so that when you do come to feeling it, you have a bit more. Totally. Yeah. It's more safe. You know, I think safety is an important part about feeling. Um, and it's not always, it's not always as safe. It's not always safe depending on who you're with or, you know, like you said, if it's, if it's truly a big loss, then like it can take some time. Like when my mom passed away, it took me like five years before I decided that I needed help to process my emotions. So five years and it's not that I wasn't feeling my emotions it's just that it wasn't happening in a in a really explicit way like it was all under the surface right yeah so I don't know like things seem to take a bit of time for me it's 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 really it's fascinating to me now because I'm I'm coming um coming to to just see how long some things take yeah. And without judgment, you know, like I, part of me wishes that things would happen quicker. Like I could feel things faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's just not the way it is. Yeah. I mean, like it takes a bit of like learning of yourself, especially in dealing with things, especially like very traumatic or, you know, like heavy feeling things like it everybody deals a little bit differently and I think we have to spend time like learning how we react to certain I don't know like weights in our life before uh, and that's just like that's only something you can experience through having that trauma and that loss Mm. like that's the only way that you learn how you react to those things because that's the -hmm. only time that you've like you can't pre-prepare for that, right? No, it's a novel experience, and it's it's funny because the word react to me signifies another part of myself, you know. Because you know me as an emotional being, people in my life report to me, "Yeah, you're actually really emotional." 
Um, but my personal relationship to my emotions is something that I just talked about. But as far as, you know, a reaction based thing, like it's funny because I act when my reaction to things can be quite emotional <laughs> from the outset. And so in the one sense, things don't happen fast enough. And in the other, they happen too fast. And I've actually had to, to teach myself to, um, to wait before I react to some things because I've noticed that my emotional response to other people cannot, can have a, a maybe a less desirable effect on um, how I relate to them initially. Yeah. So I just... You snap and then you have to like Sometimes, figure it out. Yeah, like <laughs> either either you know snapping might be like uh, more of an angry idea, but like sometimes um, you know I'll interpret people's behaviors in a way that is excites an unconscious emotional response in me that I don't even necessarily agree with. Mm. You know, and so if I have the grace of, of being able to wait to respond to things, I find that I can actually be something that is more authentic to me than my unconscious response to things. Hey, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like you go through like emotional cycles? Like you have periods where you feel less and then you feel more and like, Totally. So like, I don't know, like, okay, so I mentioned that I that I've, you know, had a breakup in the recent past, which makes me think about all the other times I've had breakups. And then I, you know, I really start to see patterns, right? Like the more you go through something, the more you're like, how do I deal with that, you know, loss, you know, um, and yeah, like what, <laughs> it's funny because what'll happen is exactly what's just happened. You know, the decision to break up happens and I go, it's the right decision. And then I just carry on for a bit. And then I go, holy shit, this sucks. Like, ow, even if, you know, it was me making the decision or if it was mutual or if it was the other way, like, it, that all of a sudden that recollection and then it, it takes me sometimes like several months to a year before I even want to consider seeing anybody else so like and that's something that I consistently do now like having enough experiences I look at it and I go it's pretty consistent <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, though, like, because each relationship, especially as, like, a deep-feeling person, like, even if it takes time to catch up to you, like, it's a lot to go through, and I'm sure, like, you, you know, learn things about yourself through that relationship and the breakup, and then, you know, yeah. you gotta process that shit. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, it's so much information, and it's so much information about myself, and, like, you know, I think of romantic relationships, <clears throat> I've thought about them a lot of different ways, but uh, my most recent conclusion, which has also been fairly consistent, is that it's just such a fertile um, source of self-knowledge 
that I feel like it takes quite a while for me to integrate that self-knowledge because whenever I've gone through a breakup, um, there's a big sense of disillusionment for me, you know, like, and I don't see disillusionment as a bad thing most of the time. Like when you're really, when I'm really emotional, I'm like, this sucks. And I don't want to lose my illusions about the world. And yet what a beautiful thing um, to be able to, to, to lose your illusions, you know, um, because, you know, logically that means that you're gaining truth, right? Mm-hmm. If, if truth is the absence of illusion, so... It takes time for me to process all that. It takes a while. Uh, <laughs> I think by now, like even through this conversation, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's that's just the way it is. Yeah. But truth is hard. Truth's like a slap in the face sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah, it certainly can be. I mean, it's it's funny because um, it's, it's easy to, to say like, Oh, you know, like I value honesty, I value truth. Um, but to experience truth as disillusionment, um, you know, I base my identity off things I think I know. And then through different experiences, it challenges what you think you know. And some things you retain and you go, actually, I do believe that. And other things you go man, I'm not so sure about that anymore. Um, and that process is feeling. You feel your way through that experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I used to be very rigorous intellectual and I still value that part of myself, but um, I, I, now, I now believe that knowledge comes more from the body. And... Mm-hmm. and that's something that I actually trust more than, than just a, a thought <laughs> that I believe. Like it has to be married to my physical, emotional experience in order for me to, 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 to really believe it. And even still, that's not, it can still change, but I believe that more now. <laughs> it seems more believable to me. I think like that flexibility and like being malleable and like what you know about yourself and what you know about how you interpret and interact with the world like that's one of the most crucial things in dealing with the fragility of human existence knowing yourself a little bit and like learn like learning that you react differently to different things and that you um, you don't know yourself completely from the get-go. Because we think, like you were saying, like we think we know that we ourselves and we think that we know how we feel about things and then we're challenged and then we're like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. now I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. And so that questioning of self, and maybe that's it, maybe like the questioning of ourselves is just being human and inherent to human nature and... I would say that you're one of the people that I know that does that more regularly than right. others. Yeah. Is all that, was, that you question yourself. Totally. Yeah. Well, because I just I just really want to know. That's all. <laughs> I just really want to know. And I feel like that's, you know, the only way that I 
it's the process that I trust the most. You know, what someone once said to me many years ago, well, what's real now? You know, because what was real for you at a certain point in time, you know, like it's not going to, you're not going to be able to relate to it the same way. Like you have a certain level of consciousness, like the shit that you're worried about when you're 15 is not the same shit you're going to be worried about when you're 20 or 30 or whatever, right? Like, and it has similar consistency. Like, I think we all need, we have similar needs, belonging, love, security, things like that. But like, it changes. Like, who we are changes. There's something consistent about who we are. But, you know, the person I was at the beginning of the relationship that I that I'd most recently experienced, my romantic relationship, uh, that person feels like a long time ago already, and that was only a year ago, mm-hmm. right? And, um, yeah, so I definitely check in a lot. <laughs> I don't know. To some, I think at some point you, I get diminishing returns. <laughs> I think maybe it's too too rigorous at times i don't know it's so hard like being a human you're like i want to know myself but myself keeps changing i don't like change i don't like change (laughs) it's hard to keep track of things things are always changing and and i don't know how other people feel but i i look at how how different I feel on a day-to-day basis and I kind of go like if you were really paying attention to how different you feel all the time that gets to be a bit of a head spinner mm-hmm. you know well how, how do you define consciousness how do I define consciousness yeah we're gonna get into the big talk so. all right sweet I mean I think consciousness is the ability to look back on oneself, to be self-aware. You know, it's it's at, in its most primary sense, it's perception. It's like, I see this, I see that. And then it advances and you become self-aware. Well, who is the eye that sees that? And then it's it starts to really get... It can, it can get a bit bizarre <laughs> pretty quickly I think if you're if you're asking like sincerely like who is that person that I that that I call myself I mean mm-hmm. whew, that's that's a doozy <laughs> that's a big question I I um, feel like it's appropriate to just say that I feel both very excited about that sort of question but also like i don't know the answer (laughs) well yeah and maybe it's just that right like having the self-awareness to know that you don't know which is bizarre right like like i've i've tripped myself up so many times like like i said earlier I used to identify way more strongly with my sense of intellect, you know, and my ability to uh, speak intellectually about things. And that was a big 
transition for me when I was like, man, maybe there's more to life than just appearing intelligent. Mm. <laughs> like maybe there's there's more. And that's that was the beginning of like my journey into feeling. You know, and you talk about delayed feelings like again, I can't speak for other people, but I know that there are feelings in me that are old, old feelings. And are they even feelings? Or are they just experiences that I haven't felt yet that I experienced 20 fucking years ago when I was a child? Like, damn, I'm just carrying those around. And in a, in, in a lot of ways, they influence my behavior mm. unconsciously. And because I haven't felt them, <laughs> like, what? That's something that uh, intellectual Lucas is just incapable of handling, mm-hmm. you know? And even right now, I, I think, like, okay, I actually want to stop talking for a second and just breathe. Because it's so easy to forget the body for me. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the day. Feeling disconnected between like the consciousness and the body and having to like ground ourselves in order to feel that those things are one. And that, you know, they're so connected and like, I feel like sometimes like my body remembers things that my brain doesn't. Mm. And so my like physical corporeal form mm-hmm. um, has these memories that it carries with it that I don't always internalize. And so sometimes triggers come up for me for those memories that I don't fully recognize until hindsight or Mm -hmm. reflection on them later which may be a little bit of that delayed feeling where Mm -hmm. you know i have a guttural instinctual response to something Mm -hmm. and it's not until i can like analyze it with my conscious brain later Mm -hmm. i guess it's like a subconscious response do you have an inner monologue I have a few things to say before I answer that question. One, there's a really good book for people who like books called um, The Body Keeps the Score. Because you said, like, you feel like like your body remembers things that your mind doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a very, like, um, clinical psychological book that's all about the research about how the body actually does remember things that the conscious mind can't. Second thing I think is like we're talking about a delayed response. I actually think that there's a protective component to that. Like I don't think that we are meant to always feel everything instantly because I just, from my personal perspective, I don't know if it's true for anyone else, but from what I've seen and experienced myself, like it's not always safe to experience the full effect of something right away. It would mm-hmm. just it would it would pose a challenge to our identity in two 
crucial away. Like sometimes we just need to nibble away at things. Some things, you know, just need to ease into. Mm. I totally think that that's not lamentable at all. Like I started this conversation by wishing that it could happen faster for me. And yet, isn't there something beautiful about the pace that things occur? Because it, it all really does happen in its own time, you know? Yeah. Um, we were speaking earlier, or I, I mentioned that, that, uh, that I had been trying to get together with you and Tom for several weeks, a month, maybe, and it just didn't happen, didn't happen. And now, in sort of my hour of need... <laughs> Um, you guys were able to receive me when I just felt that I needed to be received. And I wasn't ready to be received until now. So can I really be upset about that? Or is, is, is it way, it, it feels in my body way more um, pleasant to accept that, that actually things might just happen in their own time. guess we like we always want to control stuff don't we and relinquishing a little of that control to you know like even just the idea of time is something that like we can't control how long it takes or how things coincide or anything really (laughs) in that regards of things yeah we don't really control much no yeah, it's a little bit of letting go of that control, I think. and Yeah. Yeah, so I love the topic, topic of control because it um, always pushes me back on myself. And it, you know, I'm always trying to control things mm-hmm. in my own way. And sometimes it's obvious. And sometimes it's super subtle, like down to trying to control my own experience, like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way, or I should feel this way, or um, the big one for me lately has been not accepting when people don't respond in the way that I feel like I need them to. Mm. You know, that's a tricky one, because we project or we, I project onto other people, well, what's wrong with so-and-so? They're not able to, um, they're, they're not willing to, to show up how I want them to show up. And then, but I'm still thinking about them. It's, it's still their fault, right? But then I, you know, again, if I'm honest, then I look at that a little deeper and I go, why do I feel like I need that? from someone else you know Mm -hmm. is that a reasonable expectation and then you go a bit further and you go can I expect anything from anybody like you'd like to think you can Mm -hmm. you know and the first time someone um broached that subject to me and said you cannot expect anybody from or anything from anybody I go well, that's not true. Like a loving relationship should be X, Y, Z. And they go, 
yes, but no. Because it turns out people, we can't control them. We can't control people. But I think, too, like, we can't read minds either. Mm-hmm. And so that expectation of, like, more often than not is unspoken. And therefore can't be interpreted by another person and, like, how they can meet those expectations because they don't know. Because they're not mind readers because people Precisely. Suck. Well, not just that people <laughs> suck, but that people don't know. They don't know. It's so so deeply problematic to expect things from people when we ourselves aren't even clear about what we want from somebody else. I think like so much like being in tune with ourselves as an emotional being is being able to be vulnerable and then vocalize that or, you know, communicate that in some way to the people that we need to be there for us. And and for some reason, that's like one of the hardest things about being human. For you or just in general? Well, maybe for other, I don't, definitely for me, maybe for other people, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I have a real hard time understanding what I can reasonably expect from somebody. Mm. Um, because a lot of the suffering in my life has been propagated by the understanding that someone else is supposed to give me something Mm. you know I think that it's totally a reasonable essential desire to want to have people in your life support you love is something that comes from the self but is experienced with other people through the connection of other people so i on the one hand i understand that but on the other there's this totally subversive part of me that just like is dying to have anybody take the edge off Mm. whatever I'm trying to escape myself responsibility or whatever like there's a sort of a child like a uh, developmental psychology theory that goes like when you're a child you can't um, you you're supposed to rely on other people for your existence right you're a child you you can't fend for yourself yet and you know the the problem is when we don't get our needs met as children and we develop into people who are still children you know who but are also now physically biologically adults but we're still running around trying to get those needs met trying to find other people to fill that space when if we were if if it all went well and we matured how they say you're supposed to or whatever then we would be self-sufficient emotionally emotionally self-sufficient i can't even like imagine what that's like Like... yeah (laughs) yeah well we've spoken before like i don't come from a (laughs) okay i don't know how to say this without not saying it but like 
yeah, the place I came from growing up wasn't ideal and it's left me with things to, to heal, you know? And I think that you've also expressed a similar experience growing up, but we also know people in our lives who don't feel that way. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, the only reason I'm speaking for you right now is because I would assume that if, <laughs> if it were incorrect, you would jump in, right? Yeah, definitely. Because I'm referring to no, a pre- yeah. previous conversation we've had, right? Yeah, where, of course. Where both of us, it's like unthinkable that, that people don't feel that way. Yeah. You know, and uh, so what's, you know, going back to your very first question, what's kind of okay for me? Well, I'm fucked up (laughs) and it hurts. And I wish that I didn't feel that way. And I wish that my, uh, that I have had, was able to have healthier relationships you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I don't blame my upbringing for that. No, but we carry, we carry that kind of trauma or that kind of, um, emotional struggle with us into future relationships. That's why they say, like, people that are always, like, looking for their parents and their partners and stuff like, like, weird ass shit like that right like you're looking to heal yourself from things that you've experienced in your past in a weird way and some like more you know traumatic than others for sure but Mm -hmm. we're all trying to figure out where we fit in the world and how we fit with other people and Mm -hmm. sometimes we forget that other people have their own emotional (laughs) shit that they're bringing in as well and so it all gets a little bit jumbled up it can get really messy right and and this is something part of the disillusionment that i'm feeling right now is like fuck i don't want to keep dragging around the past because you know what i've discovered is i really want to have a genuine relationship not just romantically but I want to have all my relationships not be characterized by a, a coming from a place of trauma, like not holding a judgment against myself in that, right? But like something I genuinely want for myself is I want now more than ever to do that healing so that, you know, and it does happen through relationship. It's not that I do the healing, then I get the genuine relationship. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But... I, you know, to the, to the degree that, that I've brought things unconsciously to my relationships, like, I just, to the best of my ability, I just don't want to do that. Because yeah. I'm really curious what my life will be like when I'm not um, bringing that to the table without being aware of it. Yeah. I think... A lot of it is having that awareness too, like that in its own right can change that cyclical routine. And it is cyclical, right? It's like, man, I've been here before and I did it again. Like, why does this feel the same? I've done it again. Oh, and I said I'd never do it again. Just like I'm saying right now, 
I will never do that again. <laughs> you might do it again. I probably will because each time it gets better. Mm. You know, like the, my most recent relationship was like very the most very much the most conscious relationship mm. that I've had to date. And it's, you know, there were things about it that still felt inevitable. Like I almost was watching myself repeat the things that I knew I didn't want to repeat. But it, at least now I was seeing it happen. Whereas before it was just happening, mm. you know? And so, yeah, that's progress, right? <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Here's the part of the podcast where I want to let you know that if you like what you're hearing, you'll probably like what you see over at patreon.com forward slash kinda okay. Patreon is an amazing platform to help support creatives like me, create artwork, produce magazines, and record podcasts with improved sound quality. I'm not a sponsored individual, but I am individually sponsored by my supporters over on Patreon. Thank you so much to the people that are already over there supporting me for as little as a dollar a month because you make it possible to keep this moving forward, keep the conversation going, and motivate me to keep creating. If you aren't in a position to support anyone but yourself right now, don't worry. But still, check it out because there's a lot of comics and content on there that isn't posted on Instagram at It's Kinda Okay. And if you can support, know that you make me way more sure of myself and everything that I'm doing, which is priceless. All that and more at patreon.com forward slash kinda okay. Do you find... Okay, so let's go back to... Do you have an inner monologue? The monologue. Okay. Yes. And I've had different relationships with it. It used mm. to be all about perfectionism. That was like one of my one of my earlier hurdles with my inner monologue. Fear of failure need to be perfect. So that's the character that my voice would have, right? It would you know I would avoid starting things, you know, because you're an idiot. You're not going to succeed, blah, blah, blah. I overcame that by just doing shit anyway. And it's funny because I haven't really thought about it till recently, but like I just one day you just look back and like, oh, I just haven't felt that way in a while, you know? So that's what the inner monologue used to say to me. Uh, and then for a while I thought because that voice was gone that it wasn't there. Well, I just recently, it occurred to me yesterday with the help of one of my friends um, that the voice took on a new character for me. Mm. Um, and 
the, the, uh, in my experience, the voice is in the service of a belief, right? So fear of failure, fear of perfection, or like perfectionism, the, what's the belief that it, that is in service of? Um, it's, you know, trying to tell me that I'm not good enough so that I don't have to experience the, the, uh, the experience of failure, right? Mm-hmm. So thought I was over that, you know, never do that again. <laughs> and um, through a conversation I had yesterday, it was, it occurred to me that, um, that the voice is very much active and it, it's telling me something that, like I said, I said, I think I said earlier that, um, I feel like it's very rare that I get new information about myself. I generally feel like I know I'm mostly aware of what's happening and it just takes me a while yeah. to move through it. Well, this was a totally new experience for me where it genuinely was like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> didn't know that. Um, apparently, and I, you know, I say apparently because it's still information that I'm integrating, but I have a belief that I'm destined to suffer for the rest of my life. I'm destined to suffer and I'm destined to be alone because of that. And I, no matter how hard I try and I have lots of loving relationships, I have lots of loving friendships and I'm sure that anybody who is one of the people that loves me or I love them and is hearing this will go, no. But yes, um, I have this belief that I will always be an inch away from from whatever I want. And so I realized this, and this is why I know that the, the inner monologue um, is in service of this belief because as soon as I had this awareness, that's when I heard the voice come screaming in like full force, like meaner than anybody's ever been to me, ever, you know? And the voice was like, oh man, it was like, first of all, it was pissed off. Like, you think just because you know now doesn't, you know, doesn't mean you're still not going to fucking be destined for this. Mm. Like, it was almost like, <laughs> you know, you can't live without me. I've protected you right um yeah you you're nothing without me and to a certain extent it's correct in its assumption just because that's such a core belief that actually a lot of my identity is based on my ability to suffer to some degree, I'm proud of it because in so, to, to some extent, I've had to become proud of it because I've had so many painful experiences. At some point, I had to tell myself, you're getting pretty good at this. Like, 
maybe this is something that you can turn into a positive, right? You have to own it to feel some control over it. It is about control, right? It's about feeling not totally disempowered by a series of experiences, right? So mm-hmm. anyways, this voice, the inner monologue, again, my personal belief, the inner monologue is in service of, of, of something. Yeah. It's not just there to fuck with us. It's, it, I think it has a function, you know, yeah. in, in most, in, in any case that I've experienced, the function has almost always been protection to some degree, you know, like me incorporating suffering and my ability to do it well, whatever that means, <laughs> as part of my identity, it serves me. Mm. It allows me to not be, have pain passively happening to me, but now I'm actively participating in, in, in somehow, uh, yeah, it's, it can be empowering to some degree. You, you own it, right? Yeah. Anyway, so that's been my most recent experience with inner monologue came sweeping in to tell me that I was nothing without this core belief that I did not have. That's like the clearest description of a female I've ever heard. Oh, really? That's like that's how they came about and into existence. So it was a way for me to manifest those, that subconscious voice that's like screaming in the back of your head and telling you all those like horrible things, but it is in some service of protection. I think so. So. Yeah, and and what do we? So we realize that, and you made the femans, mm. right? And um, in in a lot of ways, um, there's something positive about that whole experience. Mm. You know, so long as it, you know, <laughs> it doesn't destroy you. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to learn how to cope with it, right? And that's a whole other. But what are you really? Game. What are you learning to cope with? Like for me, it's just more me, <laughs> more of myself that I'm trying yeah. to accept. Like it's hard though because like also like it gives you the awareness and the ability to recognize it and then either uh, interrupt your because it is a, a reaction. Like you, even if that inner voice isn't like shouty, like it, and it's still there, your reaction to it is like, oh yeah. Right. Like, right. The authority or, of the voice. So the authority of the voice and to be able to say like, fuck you, you're wrong mm. at times also mm. has its own power to it. Because even if sometimes it's doing it in protection of you, mm-hmm. that's assuming that it knows what's best. Yeah. And maybe that's a part of ourselves that, you know, that's its function. Um and so it has to assume that it knows the best. Yeah. And it's just, and it's, I've heard it described as like, well, it's just, it's just doing the best that it can in terms of the information that's been given. Because we formulate, you know, I think the voice comes from, from certain experiences. Oh, yeah. 
you know, like I wouldn't have developed a belief that I was destined to suffer without having suffered some degree. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Or uh, my belief of, you know, uh, deserving to be alone mm-hmm. because I've experienced a lot of loneliness, right? And and so in a way, you're it's, it's a coping mechanism. You're like, well, maybe you're supposed to be this way. Um, but there's a, there's a higher level of consciousness that I think is possible that it's the, the, um, it's the ability to kind of go to question that authority. Yeah. Even if that authority is yourself. People are so fucked up. Yeah. Like, consciousness is so fucked. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's fucked up to the degree that we're surprised that it's comprised of um, differing aspects of personality simultaneously um, existing. Hmm. You know, some, for some... I don't know where it comes from, but most of us have a belief that we are one person and that there's one person driving the bus. I happen to think that there are uh, competing interests within one person. Yeah. You know, like different theories of personality would suggest just that. Like Freud is like one of the earlier psychological thinkers. And he was like, you got this part of you that really wants to just, like, fuck and, and eat and, like, do primal shit. Then you get the other part of you that's like, well, we can't do that all the time. <laughs> we need to, like, build fences and be nice to people. And and then you get the other part that's, I don't know what the other part is, but, like, even more, like, we need to be more nice or something. I don't know what he was saying, but... All along the way, like, I, I have a fascination with the history of ideas, so... Yeah. I like to, to see that we've been talking about the same thing in different ways throughout history. And personality is one of those things. Like, what, what stops people from just being a carnal urge constantly? Yeah. We all have forces that uh, work to, to have governance in us and forces that push it push us to do other things and it's it's a big sway back and forth back and forth and how do you maintain peace through all of that i don't know (laughs) it's a short long answer short and long yeah i i think that uh whoever we think we are is this the sum total of of that uh experience to to sew it all together yeah yeah it's just like how do you marry all the things that are going on inside you and like is that the sum of you and like what what parts do you feel are authentically you and Mm. things that are just based on you know your um sometimes warped perceptions that's where the evolutionary part of consciousness comes in right is in a certain sense consciousness is the ability to discern what is useful and what is not mm-hmm. right unconsciousness to some degree has its own agency 
operating on its own principles. Mm. Just like you can be overly conscious about something and that's to your own, that's detrimental as well. Like it has its own principles, but it's about marrying the two. There's a certain degree of instinct that is necessary. Whereas mm. there's a certain degree of conscious deliberation, reflection that we get to choose. Do I want this? Do I want that? But sometimes, you know, in my experience, the mind can go too far and start making prescriptions that are not based in instinct at all. And that's when in my, you know, in my experience, I've left parts of myself behind that were like the feeling parts or yeah. the, the parts that are, yeah, just more instinctual, more body, you know? Mm. The mind, the mind can go too far. Drifts. <laughs> yeah, and it's like everything's great. I just make everything up, and you know, you're delusional. <laughs> mm. That uh, that actually leads quite well into when do you feel most authentically yourself? I think authenticity is is honoring honoring my emotions which is the most difficult aspect of my personal experience for me it's difficult because of the delayed reaction like i just don't know what i'm feeling sometimes so there's that but then when i actually come to understand what i'm feeling can i stand by my by myself and say your experience is valid and it's not dependent on anybody else, you know? Um, you know, most recently it was about walking away from a situation that I genuinely didn't want to walk away from. So how do you honor yourself in that? <laughs> you don't want this outcome, but you know that, that no good is going to come from staying. You know, for me, it was harming, harming me. Not in any egregious way, but just slowly. Um, so honoring myself looks like walking away, which isn't something that I want to do. Mm. Right? But the, f the feeling of authenticity, not to spite anybody, not, it's got nothing to do with anybody else. That's mm. the that's the hard part, is it's easy to make it about somebody else. Well, it's their fault. It's their fault they're this way. Or if they were only that way, then I didn't have to feel this. Blah, 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 blah. It's got nothing to do with that person. The most authentic version of myself is the person who looks at all that and goes, but what do you need? To feel this way. And it might even be contrary, like I just said, to my own ideas of how I should be. That's weird. And then I can even have the compassion for this part of myself that wants things for me to be different. <laughs> That's like authenticity. Mm -hmm. Is looking at all of that and going, all right, 
I still choose me. It's a difficult thing to do. Possibly the most difficult, I would say. Learning how to be observant of ourself and to sometimes go against our own notions of what we need. I don't know. Being human's weird. Um, what do you mean by that, though? Because you've said that a couple times now, and I just, I refuse to accept that. <laughs> well, you just, you know, you think and you think, and then you say, I don't know, being human's weird anyways. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, well, but what do you mean? Why is, you know, well, yeah, it's weird, but like, what's weird about it? I think it's weird that we're constantly in conflict with, well, not necessarily conflict, but we're in conflict with ourselves, like with those independent parts of ourselves that want different things. And this whole like should statement is like, it really fucks us up as humans because we have expectations and we have ideas of how things should be or how we should be or how other sh people should be. And mm -hmm. we have such a hard time just like being in our bodies and being present and like accepting what is. Mm-hmm. And it's just really weird because, like, that's the human experience is battling perception and how we're perceived by others and how we perceive others and how we project onto others mm -hmm. while also struggling with authenticity of self and awareness of consciousness and all of those things. And it's just this constant... It feels like a big stew of everything. And I guess that's what I mean when I say it's weird. And I don't know because it's just a weird soup. And I'm not sure how it's going to taste or how it's going to turn out. But, like, mm -hmm. that's just right. how it is. And so I think that that's just me yeah. really sitting with the fact that, like, I can't know everything about the human experience. All I know is that it's fucking bizarre. Right. And I would even venture to say that, like, part of what makes it weird, and I'm doing air quotes here. <laughs> Recording. <laughs> For anyone who can't see, um, is that we expect it to be other than that. Right? Mm. That's what makes it weird. We expected it to make sense for some reason. That's a, you know, that's a fair expectation, maybe, but I don't know, some higher being would probably be like, why, why was that ever a reasonable <laughs> assumption? <laughs> why is that reasonable? It yeah. creates suffering, doesn't it? Definitely. But I think as humans, like, I don't know. Not to detract from your personal experience, mm -hmm. but we do yeah. take some pride in our suffering and we do like create it for ourselves sometimes. And I don't know why we do that. We have to survive somehow. I mean, we have to make sense of what's happening. That just seems to be a concurrent theme. Mm. Like what's real now? What's happening now? And then you derive meaning. Like, we're meaning-based beings, and 
we're constantly trying to make sense of everything that's happening, you know, on some level. And then the degree to which we fixate on things is maybe, you know, partially a product of our upbringing, our values, who we want to be, who we think we are, all the things that we've touched on, right? Mm. And, you know, on a weird side note, like, I like birds a lot now, apparently. (laughs) Why? Some things don't need to make sense. You just like birds, you know? And then other things, like, are more of a mystery, and they pull you in a certain direction. And, you know, like, my love of music has brought me way crazy places to the point where now it's, like, my career. (laughs) It's so weird, Mm -hmm. you know? Not weird like it should have made sense, but weird that I genuinely don't know what's happening. (laughs) But I keep... There's a rhythm, and we can detect that, right? And so how much of that is something that I made up? How much of it is something that is just happening? Changes day to day, I go back and forth. But I think the place that I like to be with it is the part where I actually don't really know what's happening, and I'm okay with that. And most of the time, I'm not okay with with not knowing. Do you practice any like form of mindfulness or you know air quote self-care uh like do i have like a practice that i just call my own that i is sacred and like you know it doesn't have to be that formal it's just like do you have conscious attention to being mindful of the present moment or do you i try to I try to. I, I think that, like, ideally I would be present in everything that I do. Like, I... Yeah, but I mean, like, authentically, like, do you... Is that something that you give attention to in your daily life? Yeah, like, I try to. Like, um, recently my idea of love has shifted from something that I experience with somebody else to something that I can experience in any activity that I do Mm. and to me that looks like presence you know so if I am with somebody else you know I want to be present with them if I am washing the dishes like I hope that I'm not thinking about a million other things to a certain degree I would just like to be doing what I'm doing because I think the results are that much richer I mean washing dishes is a pretty menial task but like if I'm making if I'm mixing someone's music you know I want to lovingly do that I want to do that with love because I think it's really important. It's, it's funny that I have a adverse relationship with my, emo- my own emotion, um, emotions because it's, it turns out that's really what I value most is the mm-hmm. feeling moments, the feeling of connection, the, the feeling of 
like it's it's actually no coincidence at all that I'm now super involved in the production of music because music has really been the most significant thing that's ever reached me you know besides some very loving human connections but even that's a human connection like it's human music <laughs> humans made it and I feel like a personal connection with with the music that reaches me most and I call that love. I think to myself, whatever reaches me was a consequence of someone being honest. And so that's what I need to be if I'm going to make a difference in anyone's life. And even if it's not about that, like, you know, some people don't care about that explicitly you know in my line of work it just needs to sound good and blah 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 and whatever some people don't care about that but they hired me so guess what i care about that <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna put love in it whether you want it I'm or gonna, not <laughs> i'm gonna put love into my life you know i'm gonna try and do that mm. because that's the only thing that's ever made the difference in my life like, ever. Sometimes being in tune can be hard. So what motivates you then to translate how you're feeling into writing and taking things from your brain and turning them, them into poetry. It's an essential process for me. It's like, I don't know how other people feel. I don't, I, I don't know anything about anybody else pretty much, you know, and <laughs> myself, I don't know. But what I've observed is it's a very primal response for me to translate it into something else mm. i just got to translate it i got to translate my experience into some form of expression you know like for me writing it just came naturally never had a thought i should be a writer i don't even think i am a writer that's how essential it is I just do write. I need to. It, it just, and there's there's pleasure that's derived from it in different ways. But like in its most basic basic form, it's about the transmutation of experience into just some tangible element. Mm -hmm. You know whether that's uh, music or or uh, writing. Recently, it's been gardening. I've found that to be actually quite a, a creative pursuit you're you're uh you're mixing yourself it's a it's a synthetic process you're taking two different things and you're it's creation creating yeah. something new out of something that you know you're uniting different things right my experience with with the form of of the english language i get this, this little poem right and then if I'm really genuine, I won't be thinking about how it reaches other people. Sometimes 
gets corrupted by that. <laughs> but its most genuine form is because it needs needs to be put. I really like that because I think that like when I read your poetry, it doesn't sound contrived. It sounds like just the way that your brain has been working. And I, I really resonate with stream of consciousness kind of stuff. And I think that that carries through in your work as well as when I read it, I feel connected to you as a human. And I think that that's got a lot of power in itself as well. Thank you. Um, I know that you like having space to yourself and having that aloneness. And maybe through this conversation, we've discovered that that is something that you have self-imposed through your inner voice. Right. Um, but can we talk about loneliness? Like yes. sitting with what it feels like to be lonely and how have you experienced it and how do you, how do you relate to that feeling now? Yeah, the funny thing is, like, in, in, yes, totally, in a lot of ways, it's self-imposed. Um, and for the aforementioned reasons, you know, it became a belief, blah, 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 yes. Um, it's also something I value, which is hard for me to comprehend. Mm. Like, that even might be the real difficulty here, is how do I reconcile my deep sense of needing to be alone with not wanting to be alone all the time. That is like super fresh. That is super fresh. <laughs> like that is my current experience as of this very moment. That is like a, a question that I'm living like right now. I don't know. Uh, I'm a you know, I'm, I'm afraid that I won't find a reasonable solution to those parts of myself. Mm. Um, yeah, because I do need a lot of alone time, and I value it, but then I go to relate to other people and I'm like, uh, how do I do this? <laughs> and I want it, you know? So, um, so that's, it's pretty, that's weird. Yeah. Some of my most happiest memories have been when I was alone. Like that's just undeniable. And yet, I feel like I would be, well, nothing is a strong word, but I'll say it anyway. I feel like it would be nothing without love, without the people that I've come to know life through and with. Not just through, that people aren't just like a means to an end for me, which sometimes it feels like. Like when I don't feel rooted in myself, then I think of my relationships as things that I need that are chores. 
which I don't feel happy about. Like, I don't, I don't like that I feel that way. But that's um, part of my current experience. How do I, you know, I don't, I don't see that as a healthy thing. Like, when I'm healthy and well, then giving and relationship and what I consider love in the total sense it's it's like not really effort you know mm. but when I'm in in self-imposed exile and it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to get out of it can be hard to reach out once you've you know um, separated yourself from other people and we need that in order to turn inwards in order to like reflect on our experiences in order to you know like feel our whole of our being while we interpret that through our experiences with other people like I do think that we genuinely need that time in our own existence without the consideration of others or others feelings in order to understand ourselves but at the same time it puts you in this like weird hole where it gets hard to ask for a rope to get out or like to then reach out or then to like communicate with other people but the interesting thing about that is everybody else is also in a hole (laughs) because they're all having their own conscious experiences and so it starts to be like rather than needing to get up and get out how do you dig through yeah I mean I think about this all the time and it's again it's the most important thing to me really to connect like it really is the most valuable thing. Uh, uh, it mostly just feels like a miracle when it does happen. Because I think about how everyone, you know, <laughs> is experiencing their own version of reality. And I think about that. And I think about how m- crazy my inner reality is. Damn, it's a miracle that anybody can relate at all. It's amazing. And and in some way, this, this harkens back to the notion of control, right? Because it's so slippery and it just, it feels harder when I just want to control, when I want to control it, right? But in a, in, a, in a state of surrender, then all of a sudden, there's less to do. Mm. There's like, all of a sudden, I don't have to do anything about it, about the problem of solipsism, the, the notion that all that's real is what's inside your head, right? That's like a extreme identification with intellect right um and that's anxiety for me that's when i'm in a state of anxiety is when i think that i have to worry about what other people are thinking or how they're going to react 
mm-hmm. or how I can control the outcome of that interaction, right? Whenever I'm not that way, all of a sudden I say, quote, all the right things, like as if there were a right thing to say, but it's just, it's natural. It doesn't matter. I'm not invested in the outcome and that's why the outcome gets so much better then relationship starts to happen because i'm not preoccupied with my own anxiousness mm-hmm. and like m- my anxiousness has its place sometimes again protection it's you know a warning system in a lot of ways we don't have to go into that but i think what's important here is just when i come to myself peacefully isn't it odd that the rest of the world is now available in a way that is just inaccessible from a place of anxiousness i think it's really interesting how our perception of reality can change that reality when you perceive something from an anxious place it feels inaccessible and just a shift in that perception can can change everything and it's wild but I like the I like the term surrender quite a lot because we talked a little bit earlier in the day about how easy things become when you stop caring suddenly you stop you stop giving a shit and everything starts flowing and it starts feeling a little bit better and it's not necessarily that you're less invested but you're less um Effect- well not even affected. affected conscious like i don't know you're less no, less you're in it but you're in it in a different way and you're in it in this flow state rather than being in your head and so but then like also caring is cool Bringing yeah. love to things is what makes them valuable and whole and true and honest. And that has so much worth in this world because it's not something that we've had that much interaction with. I mean, like, I'd like to think that we've all had interaction with things that were filled with love and, you know, made us feel worthy. But it's not actually as common as we would like it to be. And so... I like the term of surrender because it's not necessarily a not caring, but it's a relinquishing of that control in order to allow mm-hmm. yourself to perceive or to be perceived or to to change that consciousness in order to... Yeah, we just give up control. Interact with the world more, or less in our heads and more, <laughs> more in the moment, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself a man of faith, but shit, like, when you give up control, it it simplifies things in a way that is, like, clearly tangible. Mm. Like, I don't know, people have very different ways of walking through the world. And yet I've, I've seen 
I've seen people have experiences that they can't explain and then it <laughs> they go shit like I'm just floating down the river on this one and here you thought you were you were you were pushing the river you were you were the one swimming the river you know like the river was passive to you and here then you realize wow um, I'm in the river and it's carrying me and I couldn't dream of a better way for the current to to fold and to turn and it just it all of a sudden all feels very well we surrender and then you feel grateful even for the things that are terrible mm -hmm. right because you've given up trying to control them trying to make sense of them trying to fit them into your mold and you allow them to become experiences that you feel you know feeling doesn't have judgment we give meaning to feeling that happens afterward feeling is a, a physical experience it has no judgment what do you think contentment looks like for you I wish that you guys could see the face that Louis is making right now. Yeah. <laughs> because it's one of, like, minor disgust. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Disgust. Um, contentment, uh, I don't think, is, is a, a value of mine. Um, you know, like... I'm just trying to monitor my emotional experience right now because it's one of like rebellion. Like I want to rebel against um, the notion of contentment. You know, like in a uh, in an, an arduous mindset, I would say that I hope I'm never content. I hope I feel fulfillment. I hope I have experiences of happiness, but contentment, it's just like, I'm just going to say what I feel. It feels servile. It feels like, it feels just like something that you've get, you know, given up in the wrong way, mm. you know, like contentment, like you know I got all the things that my mind thought I needed and there's pleasure there's pleasure in contentment there's pleasure in, in having security like it's I'm not railing against security it, it's just contentment um, I just I can't accept it I don't want it you know I want a deep sense of fulfillment you know, and I almost, I almost want to say like, sorry, the people that feel content or happy with contentment or whatever, like, um, but for me, like, that's not what I want. And I think that's brought me to a lot of extreme experiences. 
I will say that. I will say that my my lack of con, you know respect for contentment in myself has pushed me to places that are the extreme extreme psychological and emotional experiences because I've refused to um, have a certain degree of stability I think is what it represents to me you know and mm. so obviously that's a big emotional response I'm going to think about that more but for now uh, yeah commit, uh, contentment that's that's Obviously, not something safe to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Any it's, deeper. Uh, it's it's that might be the first question though. that like that pushed me to a to emotional reaction. So yeah. I it's wonder. Interesting, man. Yeah, I'm I am I am curious about it. I must say that does intrigue me to see that. Yeah, your inner voice is like. <laughs> Fuck contentment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder. Like, let's think about it. Like, quickly, just in real time here. Okay. Um, How does that interface with my belief that... uh, You deserve to suffer. That I deserve to suffer. Yeah. I don't deserve contentment. I don't deserve to take pleasure in in the the simplicity of life. Mm. That's for... You know, I mentioned that I don't know how other people feel or whatever, but... That's, you know, something that other people get to feel. I don't get to feel that. Does contentment feel like like rolling over? Like Yeah, you gave up. Yeah. You gave up trying to feel more than Yeah. <laughs> simple ignorant bliss. Well, and you know, but that's just it. And and I'll, you know, you go a step further. I envy people that uh, aren't me. <laughs> You know, like as if I'm the special one, right? Because uh, my pride and suffering is so much that that I'm differentiated from the masses. Oh, everyone, no one can understand me. Like it's 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 laughable to a certain degree, mm. I think. But you're living your own experience. I mean, so I that's... don't deny that. <laughs> I don't deny that, but I, I do think it's funny um, that um, that pride turned into. Uh, an inaccessibility that perpetuates itself. Mm. And it's kind of odd, you know, like that's clever shit. Whoever, you know, whoever, whatever, you know, I was joking with my friend the other day uh, that there are different parts of me that wrote the script and then they, they handed it to the janitor me. You're the janitor. Well, there's a part of me that, you know, here's the actor and here's the script writer and here's the director and they were all like, fuck this. Like someone else can deal with, Lucas's life and then everyone pieced out of the building wherever and they gave the script to the janitor (laughs) and now janitor Louis has to make sense of all the high-minded bullshit that other parts of Lucas decided were worth pursuing and so there's now I'm janitor Lucas really and I'm kind of like trying to make sense of (laughs) everything that I've given myself uh, it's also fitting that he's a janitor and that he's got to clean up the rest of those guys' mess. And like, I don't know, there's a, there's a humility there. I don't know. Janitor Lucas, he's a good man. He's doing all he can. He's doing more than that. Get by. No, he's, he's... He's sorting shit out. He might be more wise than the other parts of me that 
fake there was. From the CEO. Totally. He fucked off. Took a big pay fucking raise and was like, I'm going to fucking wherever, peace. Like, I don't know where that guy is, but fuck him, man. <laughs> Can you read us a poem? Oh, a poem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to read this poem because I like it. <laughs> it brings me contentment. <laughs> okay, this is one of my poems. It's called Bird Song. Pass through me like a sweetly scented breeze. Your presence is a bird song, dolce and naive. To my ears, a heartfelt melody you weave. Time passes and I come to expect less of what love might be. Dawn bears the mark of forgiveness. A seed planted, dead by sundown. Tomorrow is perennial until it is not. Speak to me as the skyline you really are. Make no mention of the clouds, the passing faces that you wear. Unto you I extend my wind-worn soul, as tattered as a sailcloth, sun-stained in search of paradise. And in return, I should like to know the sea beneath your waves. That seems pretty perfectly fitting. Does it? It does. Yeah, I, what I really like about it is... Um, I think there's an admission that there's something deeper happening. You know, but also a respect for what happens on the surface. Mm. I've spent a lot of probably this conversation and my life um, being like deliberately obscure and uh, obsessed with 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 depth, mm. right? But I think there's something really beautiful and powerful and simple that needs no further explanation sometimes i'm really grateful to know you and to be able to have these kinds of like intense conversations are they intense it's pretty intense like okay. we're talking about some big interesting stuff like okay that you know like you're that you're going through personally but also that i can resonate with and mm -hmm. that i'm sure other people resonate with as well and right. so i think that that's got a lot of power to it to be able to have those conversations and like from like the second of starting an interview like get into 
fucking big talk like, yeah. right off the bat. And that's something that I really value about like our ability to connect and our friendship in general. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't realize that these are big, intense things to talk about. Because you're in your head all the time, man. You think? You're thinking all these things all the time. I don't know, because <laughs> I'm willing to have this conversation with anybody. Yeah. And that's the thing that um, I don't always understand. That's part of... People don't think about this stuff, though, man. Like... Which blows my mind as well, because I'm also somebody who gets stuck in my head a lot, and, like... Yeah. To think about the fact that people don't think about this shit all the time is really quite mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, but I don't even think that this is a consequence of me being stuck in my own head. Mm. Because everything... Well, a lot of what I've talked about, I'm sure some of it was just intellect. Mm. But a lot of what I've talked about um, in this conversation comes from my body, you know? And um, the thing that confuses me a lot in my life is that not everyone is willing or able to, to meet me there. And I understand that it's not always appropriate like i said sometimes i deliberately go too far right Mm. but it just it just seems to me like fairly important shit yeah (laughs) like it's fairly important (laughs) (laughs) like if we're gonna talk about anything let's talk about this let's at least touch on it yeah and and part of why I believe that I'm supposed to be alone <laughs> is because I, um, at most points in most of my relationships, except for the ones that have persisted up until now, at some point I was rejected for this. Mm. For... Uh, then that's, you know, I perceive that rejection. Maybe it didn't happen fully. But at some point, somebody who I wanted to continue having a relationship with said, this is too much. Totally, yeah, and um, what 
what's my Instagram? Louis.William. You can find my poetry there, uh, I think. Or, I don't know, just send me a message, whatever. I don't know. DM for poems. <laughs> Life is short. Let's talk about some real shit. Anyways, yeah. Cool. Thanks for having me.